Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Welcome back to the second episode of our COVID-19 mini-series. In this episode, CII's Dr. Stephen Mulva speaks with Doug Omachinski, Bechtel Corporate Manager of Construction and Principal Vice President. Doug is currently responsible for all global construction activities at Bechtel, and he currently serves as CII's Vice Chair. Doug, thanks for joining us, uh, and thanks for all you're doing for CII. Uh, really happy to have you here on the Built Revolution podcast. Oh, thanks, Stephen. I'm glad to be here. Um, so maybe we'll get it started. There's been a lot happening lately, the very dynamic situation with, with COVID-19, especially in our industry of, of engineering and construction. Uh, maybe first question for you is, did you ever think you'd find yourself in the middle of a global pandemic? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. I mean, we've been involved in, in uh, response situations for hurricanes and and the like, but uh, never to the extent of a global pandemic. Are there are there some ways where this is similar to the hurricane response preparedness? Uh, in some ways, um, in that uh, at least a, with a hurricane or with some other issues, you know that it's coming. You've you've you can prepare. Uh, this came on very quickly. You know, we were able to use some of our response plans that we had prepared uh, previously to and adjust them. But uh, a, a lot of new things had to be developed uh, in the in regards to the response to the pandemic. Now, on in some cases, uh, in some of our projects that are, are that are international, especially when we have very large job sites or large camps, uh, we do have to have a pandemic plan in place that may occur within the camp, and how do we contain that? Uh, but not to the extent of uh, of trying to resolve uh, a lot of the issues of starting, stopping, and uh, and supporting uh, during the pandemic. Okay. Well. Uh, let me just add on behalf of everybody at CII and in the industry, really appreciate heartfelt thanks to the, the people of Bechtel and actually across the entire engineering and construction industry for continuing the essential work and essential building that's going on in, in this country and around the world. Um, maybe I'll transition to a different question. Uh, you, you were actually part of a webinar on March 25th um, with, with Southern Company and, and some other members' responses. Uh, to COVID-19. So maybe I'll just focus on what's happened in the last three or three and a half weeks. Um, I know Bechtel is involved in a lot of mega projects with thousands of workers on site. Uh, Can you maybe characterize how many of those large projects you've had to temporarily shut down? You know, it's it's interesting. We have not had to shut down that many. Uh, So within the portfolio of projects that that are current, the only one that um, that did have to shut down for a short period was the PenCam project up in Pennsylvania. This is the right. ethylene cracker project. Um, they're in the currently 
uh, in the process of restarting that project. But for the most part, um, our, our LNG projects in the Gulf Coast, um, the Vogel Power Plant in Georgia, um, projects that we have at the National Labs at Oak Ridge and in, uh, at the Hanford uh, Reservation in Washington were considered essential. And so uh, we continued building those. Um, also, a small power plant or combined cycle project in Ohio was also considered essential. So they kept working. Um, they work in under different conditions and under regulations, but they're continuing to work. Right. My, my understanding on the project in Pennsylvania was that that was the shutdown was partially driven by the remote location and the limited capacity of the healthcare system in that area that the county officials had a, a large role in the decision that was ultimately made by the owner and, the, and, and you guys to um, shut down the project for a while. Is that, is that true? That is, that's accurate. Um, when you have 6,000 workers uh, in that very small area of, of Pennsylvania, it, it did, uh, it would have overwhelmed uh, the community. Um, and during this restart planning, uh, the project will, will come back in phases, but there's, there's only gonna be a small number of, of craft that do come back at any given time. Um, so, and that's in consideration of the community and the resources that are available to them. Have you had some issues with trying to split some shifts? So maybe you'll take the same number of workers, but you'll spread them over additional shifts. We've, we've actually heard some of that just to help with the social distancing. Uh, we have not had that problem. Um, and, and in fact, in our current projects, uh, we've split the shifts. We've added uh, more individuals to a, a night shift if, uh, if required. Uh, we've staggered the starts and stops. Um, uh, even with uh, the, the office personnel, um, just just to be able to try and maintain some of the social distancing requirements. Right. So for the projects that were, were shut down, um, what's the startup sequence or when, when, the, when would they get back to uh, full operations? It might be some time, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, and in most cases, it's the the start date is dependent on the on the local government or the state government, and those negotiations. Um, some have been pushed out, um, you know, quite a quite a bit. Um, in in those cases, we're just on site maintaining the equipment and and ma maintaining some key activities. Um, but you know, this is all this is all just starting. Uh, these restarts. And uh, so we're, we're, it's interesting how the, the phased approach is, is coming about. So global, globally, Bechtel has a lot of projects and you probably have some sites in China or Korea, some of the places that were first to experience the pandemic. Um, maybe some of those projects have already gone through the shutdown and now they're in the restart phase. Are there some lessons learned from abroad that might be applicable to what we might experience going forward here in the U.S.? Yeah, there are. Um, we've got some uh, potential projects that are going on in uh, Taiwan in, and also in Thailand, um, and then also some fabrication in Korea. And so, again, they're they're looking at phased approach. Um, uh, they've, uh, you know, they're conducting testing to ensure that the population that's coming back is is uh, virus free or uh, have already are, are not are carrying the the uh, virus 
So there are some lessons learned, uh, but again, it's slow. It's uh, a, a lot of slow progress in coming back to what uh, we would consider normal. Okay. Earlier in the conversation here, you were talking about the work camps, and maybe I'll just focus on that for a second. Uh, in, in some of those projects, did the workforce stay in the camp or did they go home? And if they went home, how were you able to, did you continue to pay them or retain them somehow? You know, it's interesting because it, it was different in, or it is different in every country. Um, we've got a very large population on the, on the Riyadh uh, metro project in Saudi Arabia. And so that camp was basically working when they could work based on the government um, conditions. In so, at, at some point, uh, the Saudi government had a curfew in place that only allowed certain hours of work. Um, so basically, you know, basically these, these workers were then uh, held in the camps, um, fed, and of course paid. Um, and then on the other hand, we've got some, some individuals at a camp in, in Kazakhstan on the Tengiz projects and uh, they're actually asked, being asked to not rotate out of the camp, but take additional rotations so that they can uh, continue to work and make progress on that, on that project. So, you know, different customers, different country conditions and rules, uh, but uh, in most cases, uh, just trying to, to maintain and work within those rules and keep the, our, our craft safe and, and able to work when they can work. For the projects where the you had craft workers that were in a shutdown capacity um, were you able to uh, maintain communications with them uh, maybe some of them went on a furlough for a while uh, how in terms of the restart situation um, how, how is that going to happen or proceed so in in some cases domestically when uh, uh, if it was a union project we were able to work, uh, with the unions and the customers on uh, being able to release individuals for on a furlough condition so that they could receive unemployment and also benefits from the CARES package that came uh, came or was issued from the government. Um, uh, we're in constant contact with them, uh, giving them you know, updates and, and commun communicating them on when the projects will restart and um, also giving them an idea of in which phase they may be coming on back onto the projects. And that's not just for our craft workers, but also for our, um, our, our non-manual or non-craft employees also. Okay. Yeah, we had some, uh, our board meeting for CII this past week and in one of the breakout sessions, there were some contractors who shared that they were actually concerned about being able to get workers back uh, in the near term and maybe even through the fall because the uh, in the payments from the government were strong enough in addition to the unemployment that uh, they some of those companies were being told that uh, by their workers that they would probably just sit on the sidelines for a while. Um, I don't know if, if, if you've heard anything similar to that or um, or you've been able to maintain communications and, and you think that you'll get pretty much all the workers back? You know, we had the, we had the same concerns um, uh, because uh, you, when, you, when you take a look at a, a large industrial project with some of the per diems and the overtime that the, the craft workers are getting paid, you know, they may be taking about $3,000 home a month or a week, 
Um, with the unemployment benefits and depending on, on what state uh, they were uh, being furloughed, they could actually be taking $1,000 home a week. And, you know, we were concerned that that was enough incentive for them to, to want to go home and, um, and, and take time off uh, until September when those kind of benefits would, would go away. I think the, uh, our, to, what our advantage has been is because we have so many projects that, are, that continued during this pandemic um, and kept people working um, that they are they are dedicated to the to the projects. We were able to move some craft on projects that were shut down um, to other projects that needed um, craft employees, and the same with our non-craft employees. So there was an advantage for us um, uh, having so many projects that were still continuing to work and being able to keep that workforce. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a concern that when all these projects restart, that there's not going to be enough resources. Um, to be able to to support the projects, but again, um, our advantage has been that we're keeping them working and uh, and they're paying getting paid very well. So on the projects that continued working, uh, what are some kinds of things that you've had to change in the way that you would normally practice? I mean, obviously social social distancing, but I'm anticipating maybe uh, more extensive cleaning and housekeeping than than you were uh, already doing. Yeah, we, we had to bring on more resources to do uh, more of a continual cleaning. And when you're doing that kind of thing, it's not just necessarily the cleaning, it's also the visibility of the cleaning. Um, initially, when we did some, some um, uh, employee surveys, uh, a lot of comments came back on not seeing the cleaning being done um, or not trusting that cleaning was being done. And so when you, you know, when, when you have to readjust, um, not only are you cleaning more, but you're also making it very visible, you know, by putting uh, maybe a check sheet on the door of the of the of a restroom that says that the last time that this this uh, restroom was cleaned was 10 minutes ago. Those are the kind of things you have to readjust for. So not just the re the resources, getting all the the right cleaning supplies in, um, also, but also the visibility. Uh, in, incorporating new technologies, uh, for example, no-touch type uh, scenarios where you know, individuals don't want to touch the doorknobs, don't want to touch some of the the, uh, the push-to-open uh, mechanisms, and, uh, and you know, equipping uh, the the projects uh, the right way with the right technologies, um, even at the turnstiles when they're checking in, uh, being able to to guarantee that social distancing for checking into the project when they're being bused from the parking lots, uh, when they're eating their lunch or taking a break, uh, being able to give them more facilities uh, to be able uh, to achieve that, that social distancing. Right. So, but some of the work that's being done on a construction site, people work in very close quarters or uh, crews work very close together. And I, I would imagine it's hard to, keep the social distancing in some of those situations. Is it is. Is it is. And in, in those kind of cases, we're using face mask uh, type scenarios. We're doing a lot of monitoring of our employees to to uh, ensure that there aren't employees that uh, that may be feeling ill, um, still working and trying to separate them and take care of those employees. So you've got more resources doing monitoring. You've got more resources uh, ensuring that uh, there's a separation of your crews. 
you know, construction is is a tough business, Stephen. You and I know that. And uh, when a welder is welding and uh, uh, and the pipe fitter is working with him, that's in t- that's in a very tight situation. When you're pulling cable, um, you're not just pulling with one person; you're pulling with a full crew. Um, when you're pouring concrete, uh, how do you separate? How do you separate thirty? laborers and iron workers and carpenters that are pouring that concrete, uh, you know, up in that foundation. So it's, it's been very, uh, we've had to put some, some innovative thought into a lot of this, um, use a lot of PPE uh, to keep our, our employees safe and then do a lot of monitoring. Right. When, when this began, there were a lot of concerns, especially because the supply chain for our projects is truly global, that we might have uh, interruptions in material availability or uh, supply reliability. Uh, have, have the projects that continued working, have you experienced some of these impacts? I know we, we actually haven't, which is, um, which is interesting. Um, now, a lot of the projects are in the, the last phases of the projects and, and last completion percentages. Um, so the, a lot of the material is already on site. So they are working off of um, existing uh, stockpile of permanent plant equipment. Um, but for some of the projects that are getting new, uh, new uh, materials, it, it hasn't been a problem yet. Okay. And it may be because these are some of the only projects working. And the, the supply chain is able to, to manage that. On a lot of the projects that I used to work on, there was always seemed to be a lot of tie-ins or coordination with existing plant operations people. This would typically, from the contractor's side, you'd be interfacing with uh, owner personnel who were operating facilities. Um, how has that changed for some of these projects? Um, for... Um, for so I'm, I'm thinking about the projects that are continuing to work. Probably 50% are greenfield, so there's uh, we don't really have that that interface. Some of the LNG projects on the Gulf Coast are extensions of current LNG um, facilities, so we've been able to to effectively separate uh, the operating facilities from the construction facilities, uh, you know, through barriers and such. Um, there is still interface when you're when you're turning over systems and when you're starting systems, uh, but the projects are using uh, guidelines and procedures that that we've issued to them uh, for that proper uh, that proper uh, social distancing, and that may even include enclosures uh, around equipment um, so that the operations teams can work within the enclosures and be separated uh, from the construction teams. Okay. Well, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for your um, for your comments. I uh, really appreciate it, Doug. Is is there anything else that you might like to add that maybe we forgot or I didn't ask about? No, um, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to you about this. Is this is a, a you know a very dynamic situation? It seems to change on a daily basis depending on what's being issued by the CDC or what's being changed within the state. And so I know there's been a, a there's been a lot of frustration from uh, some of the uh, the owners and from some of the EPC contractors on being able to keep up and uh, know what's the right thing to do. Um, but thanks to, to CII and the sharing that goes on on best practices, um, I think a lot of the contractors are more comfortable in uh, in going back to the projects, restarting the projects, um, using the best practices to to, to be able 
um, to be ready um, to restart. And so uh, thanks to, to CI for all that, that support. Sure. No, thanks for pointing that out. We've, we've tried our best to make the information not only available to the members, but through our website to anybody in the industry as well. And, and this Built Revolution podcast is uh, also going to be disseminated to anybody who wants to uh, listen to it. So um, it's always great to hear from one of the uh, most respected companies in the industry and exactly you know, being very forthcoming about what you're facing on, on your job site. So again, really appreciate that, Doug. All right. And, uh, well, thank you, Stephen. And, and the best of luck uh, in, in the days ahead uh, as, as we continue to navigate through this crisis. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.